But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. From the very start, there were those who sought to cover up the facts regarding the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead by paying hush money. They, there were others who simply doubted it, of course, or who chose to deny it. Despite the testimonies of many, the proofs that were offered, and the historical record of the fact itself. This historical record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is either the most wonderful and awesome news that you have ever heard, or it is the worst and most fearful thing you have ever had to deal with in your heart. It's either something that fills your heart with the greatest of expectations or with the most dreadful uncertainties. Everyone is in one of those two camps. Everyone here, everyone in the world is in one of those two camps. It either gives you great hope and peace because it stands as the seal of the value and the acceptance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for your sins, or if you refuse to believe and deny it, it leaves you hopeless, troubled, and lost in your trespasses and sins. It either confirms that the work of your redemption is done and it's finished, and you are justified, Or if it never happened, it leaves you with the guilt and debt of your sin and the prospect of your coming judgment. Any man, woman, or child who denies being a sinner is fooling him or herself. And your own conscience and your own heart knows it. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 John writes, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10 he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. If you're one of those who hopes to work it out on your own, you know very well that that's never going to work. You can't even balance the ledger with your good deeds, let alone get them to weigh in towards your favor. It's not possible. If you look at it realistically, if you face that reality, you know from your own conscience and from your own heart that you're a sinner, and you know that there's no way you're going to be able to balance those books, bring them even, let alone end up in your favor. And if you're one of those who thinks that in the end God's just going to pardon everybody because he's too loving and he's too good to hold 
anybody accountable for their sins, well, then you're in real trouble. And I say that because, first of all, nobody, nobody with any authority or any sanction from heaven came up with that idea. Nobody. It's just the wishful thinking of those who are guilty. And why would anyone in his or her right mind risk their eternal soul on such a suspicious theory from such unstable ground? I say it also because it makes God in all three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a liar. And if he has lied about judging the guilty now, well, how do you know he isn't lying about letting everyone go at the end? How do you know that? If he's deceiving you now, how do you know he's not going to deceive you then? That's no ground of security at all. This idea that there will just be pardon for all. There's no witness to that except the witness of the guilty heart. This testimony regarding Christ's resurrection also makes one either rejoice or weep because on the other hand, knowing it's true, or on the one hand, knowing it's true, gives the believer the greatest hope and joy concerning their loved ones and brothers and sisters in Christ. Because Christ rose from the dead, we believe that those who have died in Christ are in his presence right now and that in the comfort of his loving company, they're waiting with us for that blessed resurrection day when the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then any Christians who remain will be changed and caught up with them. It's a prospect full of joy. It's a prospect full of happiness. It's a prospect that thrills our hearts to think in those terms. But if Christ did not rise from the dead, and there is no resurrection, then at the very best, all the souls of those who are dear to us who are dead are gone forever. Or at the very worst, they're all in a state of misery awaiting the day of judgment. And either way, there is no joy in that prospect. There's nothing happy about that. There's nothing to celebrate about that. That's tragic. There's no comfort. There's no ground for joy. It's only sorrow that such expectations produce. Now, there are, of course, all sorts of dreamy theories regarding the souls of the dead suggested by the imaginations of men and women. But not one of those, not one of those, beloved, not the floating of souls out among the stars, not the becoming a part of the great cosmos, not their ruling and reigning in other worlds, not one of them, has any evidence, any testimony or clear teaching that even comes close to the truth that we have shared this morning. None of them do. They have no evidence. They have nothing behind them except for wishful thoughts. None of these speculative claims 
pretends to have credible divine origins or sanctions. And there's not one reliable witness to the truth of them. Not one. And if Christ is risen from the dead, as all the evidence of the scripture attests to, and the witness of believers for 2,000 years maintains, then he's coming again for us all. And that too should either delight or petrify you. If he did rise, and he most certainly did, then he's coming again. And when he does, it's to gather his own. Those who have made a covenant with him <coughs> into the joy of his kingdom. Psalm 50 verses 3 through 5 says, Our God comes. He, he does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that, the, that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. By the sacrifice of the Lamb. By the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Gather them to me. So he's coming to gather those who are his to himself. And to gather the rest for retribution and judgment. From which there will be no escape. If he rose, as the scriptures say and prove. Then the day is coming that Paul speaks of in 2 Thessalonians when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even the demons dread this day, the day of his second coming. If you reject the idea of Christ's resurrection... You better pray, beloved, that you're right. As miserable as that leaves you. Because otherwise your sorrows have just begun. If you're of such a heart and mind, I would ask you to listen to what Paul says by God the Holy Spirit and let the word of God fall freely on your heart this morning. There in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In this chapter, Paul's been dealing with naysayers, those who claim that there was no resurrection of the dead, and therefore the idea of Jesus being risen was immaterial. But Paul goes right to the heart of the matter, and he says, In point of fact, or as it happens to be, Christ has been risen from the dead. Not like a zombie, but with all that is life, with everything that belongs to, to the one who is raised from the dead. Raised by the power of God. He wasn't fragile or stiff and erratic in his movements. In fact, he was just the opposite. He invited touch, he ate, he drank freely, and he moved freely from place to place. And he didn't rise alone. 
Matthew tells us that the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to men. And as we see here in this passage, he was the first fruits with all who believed to follow on the promised resurrection day. Each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. And then after stating that fact, then Paul says this with the same clear, emphatic tone. As for as by one man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And though there are some who try to deny it, and some that hope one day it may not be so, in Adam all die. It's ludicrous, beloved, to deny it. Death is everywhere, and it touches every one of us. Paul says with no apology that this is the result of Adam's sin. In Romans 5.12, he puts it this way, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sin. However, if one chooses to disbelieve and deny this, then he or she also denies that by a man has come the resurrection upon all. And he or she stumbles back into the dark place where death is still inevitable, but where there's no hope and there's no future. And where, if you are wrong, there awaits nothing but judgment. In Matthew 13, Jesus says, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This day, beloved, calls upon all to hear the hope of the gospel and to believe and to find the hope, not that wishful uh, but uncertain prospect, but the affirmed assurance of the resurrection in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. For as surely and undoubtedly in Adam all die, the only hope that any will live rests in one's faith in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. John says in John 3, verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus Christ said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do not leave here today 
in the misery of a life without Christ. Hear the word of the gospel. Christ has brought you here today so that his word might be brought to you, so that you might hear the truth about who he is and what he has done. This resurrection message leaves you either in the greatest spirit of joy or it must leave you in the greatest spirit of misery. And if you're in that misery, I would cry to you and say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Talk to me if you're in that state today. Talk to your parents if you're in that state today. Talk to one of your friends by your side who knows Christ and knows the redeeming work of the gospel. Do not live, do not go on in the misery of a hopeless life and a hopeless death. But hear the call of the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you know the heart of every person here this morning and all who may be hearing online. At any time, they may be watching this. Lord, every one of us either finds in this message of the resurrection of Christ something to rejoice in and to celebrate or something to dread. And Lord, I pray that for all who are in that hope and have that hope, that our hearts will be filled with joy. And we will sing now together with joy about our living Savior. And Lord, I pray for any heart here that is not in that hope, who has chosen instead this idea of not dealing with death or hoping to make some trade in death. One who might be left in the misery and the dread of this perhaps being really true. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant grace, that you would break the heart, that, Lord, you would humble the heart and let them hear the cry of the gospel. You, the risen Savior, crying out this morning amongst us, believe in me and be saved. And, Lord, we pray that every heart can respond, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, and come with joy into the presence and joy of the redemption bought by Christ Jesus and the hope of the resurrection and everlasting life. Answer these prayers, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Father. Do it for Christ's sake. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to thank everyone who contributed to this morning's service uh, for all that they they have done to make it a a blessing. And uh, thank you all for what you did, whether it was bringing food or providing for that, playing for us, singing for us, being here and fellowshipping with us. I also want to ask Pastor Young if he'd come on up uh, with me here for the benediction in a moment. There's just one more thing we need to do.